This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 804, A Conversation with Ian Churchill. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is a special episode. This is episode 804. It's our conversation with Ian Churchill. I was uh, very lucky recently to be able to sit down and talk with Ian about his comic book uh, illustrating career. Uh, actually, not just comic books. He's also uh, been working on book covers uh, for the uh, Show Me History uh, line of books. Uh, very interesting guy. I had a very fun conversation talking with Ian about his career. Um, it's kind of crazy how we got into comics. Uh, one of those great stories that you know, almost sounds too good to be true that, you know, he happens to go to a con and show his work and uh you know get get some work directly and uh at a time when uh in the early 90s when you know marvel had to put out a lot of books and they needed blood and uh they you know he was was there and uh, more than willing to uh you know hit the ground running and start working on some relatively high profile books that you look back and you're like wow a brand new artist got to do a you know a dead the second deadpool miniseries like that seems pretty crazy um but this was a, a very fun and enjoyable uh kind of journey through ian's uh, his uh, work in comics, uh, both with uh, Marvel, DC, uh, a, a lot of stuff with Jeff Loeb. Um, but yeah, this was a, a whole lot of fun, and um, I, you know, I, I think you're going to enjoy this one. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again, and enjoy. Ian, welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. How are you today? I'm fine and dandy. Thanks very much, Ed. And thanks for inviting me to uh, be part of it. Absolutely. Now, I have to ask the prerequisite question. How are you faring through the pandemic? Um, I've been okay, actually. Um, touch wood. My wife caught the, uh, the coronavirus. Um, oh, really? But she, yeah, she had a bit of a tough time of it. Um, not so much when she had it, but the after effect. Apparently, it's almost like having a separate virus. And uh, she's, she's been struggling a little bit recovering, but she's, she's on the mend. Um, I've been okay though, so uh, you know, fingers crossed. I'll, I'll stay that way for sure. Wow, that's I can only ma- that must be very scary to go through having a loved one. You know, especially when you know it's starting to spread and having a loved one actually come down with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was. Um, it's not something we expected because obviously, um, being self-employed, we both work from home, so we're not really in contact with a lot of people in general anyway. So, um, so it was a bit of a surprise. How about yourself? Did you uh, did you uh, fare well? Or yeah, how's things gone at your? Yeah, so I mean, I know when I know came down with it. I'm in Canada, so we, you know, we our government was relatively quick to try and you know kind of uh, stifle the propagation of of the virus. Um, so we did well in that respect. I'm actually having a weird year in that. Um, obviously, it's such a, uh, a hard year for a lot of people, and that. I'm very blessed that you know I was still able to work and do my job. I was able to work from home. Uh, we actually, my wife and I, just adopted a little girl, like in the middle of all this. So we've actually oh, we've actually had a happy year, which is really weird to say. Yeah, no, it's weird. It is it's such a such a strange set of circumstances for everyone around the world. I think. I mean, no one really saw it coming, and everyone's having to adapt the best way they can. Exactly. So it's yeah. So it's it's weird. It's a year where it feels weird to have good news because everyone has bad news. 
Sure. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, we've I, I, I count myself very lucky and blessed that again that my wife and I have not been impacted in much in terms of you know financials. We didn't actually get sick with it. Um, we now have a new family member, so I mean, all things considered, we're having an okay year. Sorry, you're starting to break up there. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay, you can. Okay, you start. You know when it gets like that tinniness to the to the voice. Yes. It feels yeah. like it's going to break up. It just started doing that at this end. So, uh, just wanted to check. You can still hear me. For sure. So let's go way back. Let's let's leave the sadness of 2020 for a second and go way way back. When did you first kind of get interested in, in comic books as a medium? I was a little boy, really. Um, it was mainly. I th- I've been thinking about this recently. I can't really decide. It's like a, a chicken and egg sort of situation. Um, I always loved superheroes, and the only way you could get hold of superheroes when I was a kid was through comic books. So I, I, I've been trying to figure out whether it, whether I loved superheroes and that got me into comics, or whether I loved comics which got me into superheroes. I can I can't remember it so long ago now. <laughs> Um, but I do remember it was my gran she bought um, an annual for me I think it was a Marvel Man annual um, and I, I was really captivated by all the uh, the bright colours um, of the costumes and stuff and uh, I think it went from there and after that I had a, a few British uh, reprints of American comics um, I think it was Mighty World of Marvel with the Hulk and uh, the Avengers and what have you um, and so from uh, an early age it was always Marvel comics rather than DC comics um, and uh, I, th- I think that's that's what drew me in what was it about the Marvels that kind of grabbed your interest more than the DCs at that point um, probably the availability more than anything uh, <laughs> they were easier to come by over here than, uh, that's what any DC company comics. wants to hear right what brought you to Marbooks <laughs> uh, I could get them <laughs> yeah. well you know Whatever gets you into, into the uh, the drug of choice, I suppose, at that time. Um, <laughs> back back in the seventies, you know, I had there was no um, regularity with comics. You just have to go down to the local newsagent and, and hope for the best. And they just seemed to have more Marvel stuff than DC. I had the occasional Superman comic or the occasional Batman comic, um, but you know, the majority of the time it was Marvel. Um, and the ones that I started on when I was really young, like I said, was the um, the, uh, the British reprints. Um, and then when I got to probably about, I don't know, eight to ten years old, um, I managed to find a place that stocked a lot of the, uh, the original American ones, hmm. um, which is when I started collecting uh, the X-Men and... Uh, and everything pretty much went from there actually I, I used to love John Byrne stuff um, I mean he, he was a real uh, um, distinct artist and I think he's probably one of the first artists apart from John Romita that I actually in my head put a, a name to the artwork um, and, and could follow and you know recognise his artwork and follow it mm-hmm of all the characters that you you know got exposed to at that point in time, was there a specific character that you felt like when you started becoming an art, like an artist and, and breaking in that you were most like I need to get to this character? This is the character that means the most to me that I would like to illustrate. Uh, what a Marvel! Well, I, in any of the, in like Marvel or DC or any of those kind of American companies. Um, that's an interesting 
interesting question, actually. Um, I'd always loved the X-Men, so when I first started at Marvel, I was blown away by... Um, well, actually, my first published work was in a backup strip in an X-Men annual. Um, so <laughs> I, I was, I was uh, very, very um, lucky. Um, and that was with Scott Lubdell. Um, and it was a Beast backup story. And Beast was always one of my favourite characters. So, um, so I did all right on that score. Um, as far as <laughs> as far as DC goes, um, I, 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 I've had this conversation with Dan Didio as well. Um, I've always loved um, Blue Devil, and uh, <laughs> I really, really wanted to do Blue Devil. And eventually, with Dan, um, I did like a little holiday um, episode. I think it was Blue Devil and the Enchantress, or something like that. Um, and uh, it was a Halloween one, a Halloween story. And uh, I got to draw Blue Devil. It wasn't the classic Blue Devil, but it was still Blue Devil. Mm. And uh, so, so that made me smile. And I've always always liked um, uh, Captain Atom. I've never got to draw him at, at DC, but I really quite like Captain Atom. Mostly because um, when I was a kid, uh, there was a guy that lived next door to me. And uh, he, funnily enough, his name was Xavier. Um <laughs> And that's no word of a lie, John Xavier. And he was my next door neighbour, and he really liked comics. And he was throwing out a whole bunch of comics. And uh, he uh, he came and uh, found me and said, uh, "Would you like these comics?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And um, so he brought out this 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 whole sort of like few comic boxes of, of comics, uh, and he had a, like an old photo album. Um, you know those ones that have got like um, like a sticky um, transparency over the top of it, mm-hmm. and you pull them back and put the photos under, and then the, the transparency goes back on top. You had one of those with loads and loads of old '60s Marvel comic book covers, but not the actual comics. So I had this photo album of like Fantastic Four number one, <laughs> you know, all these, <laughs> but just the covers, which he gave me. And he also gave me a complete run of Steve Ditko's Captain Atom. So um, that is something that I read voraciously when I was a kid. And uh, and because of that, I've always wanted to, um, to draw Captain Atom. So one day maybe I'll get the chance, um, but it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So let's jump forward. So how do you transition from being a big, you know, voracious reader of comics and really enjoying what you're reading to trying to break into the industry and, I mean, and, and actually, you know, become a working artist? Um, I was just very lucky um, in some respects. I think um, I was, <laughs> I left school and I went to work as a graphic designer for a number of years. Um, and then there was a big recession that hit the UK in the early 90s um, and I lost my job and you know I, I'd always carried on reading comics even when I'd been working as a designer and I'd still wanted to do it but this gave me the impetus I guess to, uh, to, to pursue it so I did um, some uh, pages of Captain America I, I wrote and drew them uh, maybe what four or five pages something like that and there was a show in the UK called UCAC, I think it was, UK Comic Art Convention, I think it was. Um, and uh, there was one coming up um, at the time, and I thought, right, I'll, uh, I'll go up and see, see, what, see what happens. 
So I went up with my folio and um, just did the rounds around the show and uh, found some editors who were reviewing um, artwork. So uh, I, I just watched a few of them to see who made sense to me. Um, and one in particular did, so I went and got in his line. And uh, as I was lining up and sort of, you know, watching what was going on, I was just chatting to someone in front of me who was uh, showing his his work as well. And uh, we just got into a conversation about, you know, how nobody ever gets discovered at um, shows and what have you. <laughs> and he said, well, Jim Lee got, Jim Lee got discovered at a show. And I said, oh, really? I didn't know that. So we were just having this conversation. Anyway, um, he showed his artwork and, and was turned away. And then I went and showed mine, and the guy that was reviewing it kind of went a little bit quiet and asked me if I was getting any work, and I said no. And he said, well, I think I might be able to give you some. Uh, I was blown away, I didn't know what to do. And he said, have you got any um, copies? And, I, you know, this is before the internet. I didn't know all the uh, submission guidelines or anything. I didn't have any copies at all. So um, <laughs> I said, just, just give me half an hour, I'll be back. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he carried on uh, talking to everybody else and I, I'd scarpered across the road um, turned out there was a student union across the road um, so I managed to find a photocopier and uh, got some photocopies done and had the presence of mind to write my name and address and stuff on the back um, and my telephone number and at the same time uh, make a phone call to my brother I had to run around trying to find uh, Payphone, because obviously before mobile phones and stuff, <laughs> um, just to let him know what was going on, and uh, and then went across again back to the uh, the convention and handed them into this this chap, and I didn't know who he was. I didn't even didn't even um, see a name tag or anything like that. So I'd, I'd considered my job done, and I you know done what I'd set out to do, <laughs> and I thought right, I'll go and get I'll go and get a beer. So uh, I went and got a beer and I was sitting on the, on the wall outside and uh, in the sunshine and uh, just, you know, not believing my luck, really. And then uh, the guy walked past me and as he went past me, I, I, I just sort of tapped him on the shoulder politely and said, I didn't get a chance to ask who you were. And he said, my name's Bob Harris. I'm the editor for the X-Men. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was just like... Bloody hell! <laughs> um, so I was like absolutely flabbergasted, and um, so he took the, the um, he took the samples, you know, the, the photocopies of, the, of my uh, my art back to New York, and then uh, they gave me a fake assignment to see if I could hit deadlines, uh, which I did. I think my, my graphic design background helps on that score, mm. and then um, from then on, I've pretty much since that. Um, that time been working comics you know with regular work like I said the the first story was with Scott Lobdell um in the in the uh the the X-Men annual um with the Beast backup strip and from then on I, I think it was after that uh I think Deadpool was after that Deadpool was the second miniseries yeah I think Joe Maderera did the first one and I did the second one and then after that I think it was straight onto Cable and then everything sort of like sort of snowballed from there mm -hmm. so what was it I was like just very lucky right place right time yeah you know at a, at a time when the comic book industry was booming and they'd pretty much hire anyone that could 
hold a pencil as long as <laughs> as long as you could sort of like come up with the goods, you know. Um, so I, 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 you know, I was just very fortunate. Um, it must must be um, really difficult these days, um, you know, the way things have, have, have changed. But um, no, I was, I was just very fortunate. Uh, right place, right time. Wow. Well, I mean, it, that's well. First of all, that's incredible. Like timing is obviously everything. But I mean, obviously, it speaks to the fact that yeah. you know you'd done a sequential page that you had put together as opposed to just you know kind of pin up por- for a portfolio, right? Like you kind of showed. Well, that, that sorry, I was going to say that was the one thing about submission guidelines that I did know that you were supposed to do hmm. um, purely because I've read a few interviews with John Byrne. Uh, you know, with some of the, uh, I think actually, I don't know, it was, I think it was in Comet's interview number twenty-five. <laughs> um, there's a John Byrne, John Byrne interview. And I think somewhere in there he said something about um, um, uh, doing sequential pages rather than pinups. So that always stuck in my head, and that was the one thing that I did know that I was supposed to do rather than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you get Deadpool, I mean, obviously Deadpool's still a very new character at the time. How did you mm. approach that? Like you're working on that with, uh, you know, Mark Wade. Um, first of all, how are his scripts coming to you? Are they coming kind of Marvel style? Or are you getting full scripts? And how much kind of research did you do just kind of looking at Joe Mad's work to kind of figure out, well, what is this character going to look like now that I'm doing this, this miniseries? Stuff I loved, and I loved the uh, the, uh, the first miniseries. Um, Mark's stuff, um, as I recall, came in Marvel style. I, I wouldn't put money on it, but I think it did. Um, it was such a long time ago now. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, it was more more of a case of you know we've got this character called Deadpool. Do you want to draw it? <laughs> it was like I wasn't <laughs> going to say I wasn't going to say no. You know, I just wanted to work at Marvel. That was all my dream when I was a kid so you know when I left school I wanted to work at Marvel and I was suddenly working at Marvel and they were offering me work so um, you know it, it could have been any character really I was just very fortunate that it was Deadpool and that Deadpool has become what Deadpool has become because mm-hmm. um, it was, it, there was more luck than anything involved with, with that um, I remember having fun doing it um, I remember the deadlines were extremely tight um, and I think, which I think uh, there were uh, somebody else did a few pages inside. I think Ken Lashley did a few pages, mm. and I can't. Lee Weeks, I think. I want to say Lee Weeks. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it was Lee Weeks. Yeah, um, and that was mainly down to the fact that the deadlines were very tight, and I had um, a family emergency during it as well. So. Um, so you know the timing wasn't great, but on the whole, uh, it's, mo- it's the majority of it is my artwork, and um, I think it's all Mark's story. Um, and uh, from what I can remember about it, it was it was an enjoyable time, um, and it obviously pushed the right buttons because people seem to react very well to it, uh, react strongly, um, and uh, and I got more work because of it. 
How much pressure did you feel at the time? I mean, obviously, the, the character is relatively new, so there's not maybe not as much pressure, you know, kind of connected with the character, except for obviously having to kind of uh, follow Joe Mad in terms of, you know, that was the most recent interpretation of the character. But also, it's your first miniseries. It's your first real assignment to kind of show what you can do. How much pressure did you put yourself under to kind of make sure that this was the mark that you left, that if nothing else, that you kind of put it all out on the floor to try and get more work and try and make this a real thing? I'd like to say I'd, I'd put myself under a lot of pressure that I felt lots of pressure, but I didn't. Um, it was more a case of just do the best I can in the time I had available. Mm. Um, I think uh, Don Romita Jr. is very famous um, for saying his style is whatever gets him to the deadline on time. <laughs> and uh, and um, nothing could have been truer, you know, at that particular time. I was just doing the absolute best I could at the time um, trying to draw in a style that I knew people would like because uh, my natural style is quite cartoony and one of the things Bob did say to me was um, try and draw a bit more like Jim Lee and chisel things off you know, and, and, and try and be a little bit more um, mainstream I guess you'd say um, which I took to heart and did um, which did channel me in the right direction to get more work as it turned out um, so I was I was very I was very conscious of that, but that aside, I was just trying to do the best I could in the time I had. Um, I felt no pressure about the character because I really didn't know the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the only anything I knew about Deadpool was what Mark had written in the story and what um, uh, what Joe had done. Um, I hadn't seen any of Rob's stuff at that point, um, as far as Deadpool goes. I'd seen you know bits and bobs um, that he'd drawn but um, the majority of the stuff I was looking at at the time was actually probably Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee mm. um, so and not Rob um, so I, I wasn't overly familiar with Rob's stuff um, and uh, oh actually as, as, as it turns out I seem to recall that I was the first person to draw Deadpool without his mask on is that right? Is that right? I guess that I'm trying to. Th- I think I'm, so. I think you're. I think you might be right there. I'm trying to think of it. I can't quite place it in my head. Yeah, don't, I, don't, I don't think he took his mask off um, in Joe's um, run. And one of the things Mark wrote was he took the mask off, and and the waitress ran away screaming or something because he was, you know, disfigured. Um, and I seem to recall that I was. Yeah, I think I think I was the first person to draw him without his mask on. Don't quote me. I'm just, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I was. Well, that's a pretty big Sorry, addition. I, if it I, was, I, I just went off on a tangent. Then I can't remember what I was talking about before that. Just the, the fact that you weren't necessarily under pressure. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was literally just a case of do the best you can, get it done on time, make everybody happy. Um, which is one of the reasons why I think I've always managed to get work is because I, apart from one deadline during that run I don't think I've ever missed a deadline hmm. um, and, you know I, w- I wouldn't swear to it but yeah. you know, I, think, I think that's pretty true 
when that run, sorry, when that miniseries ends and you start, you, you do a few um, covers here and there, and then you do a, a guest shot on Cable uh, initially with issue 20, which has to be one of the more reprinted issues of Cable uh, because it's part of, you know, Legion Quest, which leads into the Age of Apocalypse. So it ends yeah. up being something that probably a lot of people have read who maybe even didn't read Cable at the time. Um, jumping onto that book, was it always kind of just supposed to be just a guest spot, or did you know that Steve was going to be leaving the book and that it might have an opening? No, that was purely a guest spot. Um, they uh, they said to me, you know, could you do it? And I said yes, because uh, like I was like I was saying, you know, I, I wasn't going to say no to anything that I was offered. Um, and I hadn't been reading uh, Cable, so uh, you know, I wasn't overly familiar with Cable. Um, but um, I, because I was offered that, I went out and, and bought a few issues for reference, um, and they sent me a few issues for reference. Um, and uh, no, that was that was literally a one-off. Where it was supposed to be a one-off, and then apparently what happened was Jeff Loeb uh, really liked it, um, and Steve was going on to something else, and. Jeff had a conversation, I think, with Lisa Patrick, who was at the time, who was the editor, um, and said, well, can we, can we get this kid to carry on? And uh, <laughs> apparently that's what happened. Um, so they offered it to me, and I said yes. Wow. Um, and so, again, I was just very lucky, right place, right time. Um, Jeff and I got on really well. Um, and at the time, I didn't know that he'd written Team Wolf and Commando. <laughs> it was just Jeff Loeb, the comic book writer. So, you know, um, I, I was literally just going in blind. I was taking him as, you know, as, as he was coming to me. And he seemed like a really nice guy. And we got on really well. And, uh, you know, continued to be the case. We're still really good friends now. So um, things have a way of working out if you let them, I guess. Mm-hmm. When you take over cable, well, actually, first when you and then, do the and then cable. I was just going to say when you when you started on cable, both as the guest spot and as the regular artist. It's interesting that you know those two early books, Deadpool and Cable, are both Rob Liefeld creations, where you didn't really know a lot about Rob's work at the time. So when you take over cable, how much kind of studying backwards did you do? Uh, not a lot, actually. Um, I looked at Steve's stuff, but I didn't go any further back than that. Um, I, I was familiar with some of Rob's stuff, but probably the Hawk and Dove stuff that he did, and not, not necessarily the... I'd seen a, an issue of New Mutants, I want to say, maybe two, mm. um, or maybe it was X-Factor, or not X-Factor, um, X-Force, rather. Um but I hadn't seen a lot of his stuff. I, I was aware of him, and I'd seen stuff that was, you know, in Wizard and 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 um, his artwork being shown in comic books and stuff. But I'd never I'd never read a lot of his stuff. Um, and it's it's not a reflection on Rob. It's just I gravitated more towards McFarlane and Jim at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think I think Rob's a very creative guy. Um, he's obviously made his mark in comic books. Um, but I, I just—I I think the stuff about um, Todd McFarlane's stuff was—it was quite cartoony. And as I drew in a naturally in a more cartoony style, I gravitated towards that more. 
Um, and, and then when Bob said try and make it a bit more Jim Lee-ish um, I'd look more at Jim Lee so that's probably why um, I can't remember what the question was again now <laughs> that's okay uh, a question about that how do you like that seems like a big jump to if your style is a little bit looser and cartoony how do you kind of file off those edges and try to you look a little bit more in the kind of Jim Lee style, if we kind of want to call it that. Like, how do you how do you adapt your pencils to do that? Well, it wasn't easy, um, but I think you know if you're a competent enough artist, you can take constructive criticism and and adapt your style. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen any of my Marine Man stuff, but uh, that's more kind of how I like to draw and how I, how I draw naturally so it's, it's, it's kind of like um, like Disney on steroids I suppose you'd say <laughs> um, and uh, um, I'm, I'm comfortable drawing like that but because I've been drawing in that sort of you know chiseled off style for so long now um, I, I'm quite comfortable sort of like going from one to the other it takes me a couple of days just to get in the swing of it but I can do it mm-hmm. um, and uh, so, yeah, it it, it, it it was a bit of a learning curve at first, but once I got into the swing of it, it wasn't too much trouble. It's, it's basically the way I draw anyway, just with lots more extra lines that I wouldn't normally put in. Hmm. Um, you know, because it, 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 back in the 90s especially, everyone was dazzled by rendering, so yeah. you just throw, throw as much rendering at it as possible, and, and, and they love it, so... Um, so that's what I did, and it seemed to work. Um, but, the, but if I'm drawing in my natural style, which is a more cartoony style, then you know I, I, it's very, very much less rendered. Um, so when I flip back and forth between the two, I have to try and remember where I used to put all the, the lines that I <laughs> you know, used to do to make it look. It's, it, it, it can be confusing, um, but I get there normally. One thing I've always appreciated about your cable, so your cable is probably one of my favorites. I will say, um, thank you. He's probably the most attractive the characters ever looked as well. Like you make very attractive characters. Well, that was um, an editorial directive. Was Try it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Once I, because when I first started on that fill-in issue, um, it was far more like how Rob used to draw him, as you know, with the uh, receding hairline and the a little bit older. Um, uh, and then uh, they said try and make him younger if you can because they wanted him to appeal to a, a more youthful audience mm. um, so that's that's what I did I, I, I gradually started to make him look younger and I think you know during the course of uh, my tenure on that title I think my artwork changed a lot as well it veered back and forth I, I wasn't aware of it I don't think at the time but I, I, I was more sort of soaking up what was popular and trying to um, I, I don't know kind of bring it into the way I was drawing so when Joe became really popular Joe Madureira, um there's a stage in my cable run where it, it does get a little bit more cartoony um, and then uh, then it goes back a bit to looking a little bit more like Jim's stuff and so I, I was never I was never my, my artwork was never or my style rather was never cemented at the time it was much more fluid I think um, and uh, as time went on it started to look like my stuff rather than 
the influences that I'd pulled from everywhere, if that makes any sense. I think that's a good way of describing it. It does. Well, I mean, it, and it makes sense. Kind of, that's the journey of the artist, right? You kind of break in and do it, do you know, kind of meld your style with what's popular to kind of get a, fo- a foothold, and then slowly transition more into being what you really are. Yeah. See, you've just condensed it into one sentence, actually, and it took me a long time to try and uh, figure out how to put that into words just a moment ago. But yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, what was it like working with Jeff, and like, what was that working relationship like? That was great, actually, Um, because Jeff has got a knack of writing to the strengths of the artists he's working with, and he was never phoning up and calling me and just sort of having a chat, Um, and that's, you know, as far as I can recall, I haven't worked with any other... um, writer that's phoned me up and talked about stuff over the telephone Mm. Um, and uh, he'd do that quite quite often actually Um, and we just got on really really well he he was um, enjoying uh, his rise I guess because he he was working on lots of different stuff back then with Tim as well Tim Sale, Mm -hmm. me and Steve Um, lots of X stuff and and things at the ex office and uh, he was on a, on a, a bit of a stratospheric um, uh, rise as a writer um, and I was just very lucky to be paired with him um, early on in, in his comic career mm-hmm. um, I mean obviously he was a big movie writer but um, but in comic books I think uh, um, he'd been working in comics longer than me obviously but um, not that much longer I don't think um, so I was, just, I was just very lucky to be paired with him, mm-hmm. um, and that we got on so well. And uh, and uh, you know, like I, like I said before, I, I, I still talk to him via email a fair amount, even now. Um, but he's, he's he's a very busy, very busy guy. For sure. So I'm curious was it the was it the connection at that point with Jeff Loeb that brought you into doing the I think the three issues of the Heroes Reborn Avengers. That was yeah, it was mostly down to Jeff. Uh, Jeff had been hanging out with Rob uh, a lot, and uh, you know, said, I'm, "I'm doing this this new Avengers thing. Do you want to come and have a go?" Um, uh, I can't remember who was drawing it before me. There was I think it might have been Chap Yap, Chap Yap. Yeah, I think it was Sounds him, right. and and before that it was Rob, yeah. I guess too. Yeah, and, for, yeah, and at that point I was looking at some of Rob's stuff and reading Rob's comics um, and uh, you know obviously because of the Heroes of Born stuff it was like a big noise and uh, I, was, I was pretty much reading everything that was coming out at the time um, as far as Marvel um, X titles were concerned um, and Jeff had gone off um, to work with Rob on, on the Avengers and said do you want to come and do it? I said yeah I'd love to um, it was mostly because I, I'd always wanted to draw Captain America mm. um, and I'd get the chance to do that and uh, yeah so uh, I, I, was, I was more than happy to uh, to, to um, take take the artistic reins uh, I, 
can't remember what the question was now. It's okay. Well, I have, so I have a question about, so you're working on Avengers. Obviously, it's very insulated at the time because, you know, everything was kind of farmed out from Marvel proper. So did you find it was a, a different kind of working experience because it wasn't maybe part of the typical editorial structure at Marvel at the time? Um, no, as, as my memory serves. My memory's not great, but... Um, That's okay. As, as I re- <laughs> it was a long time ago now. Um, but as I can recall, it, it was pretty much the same as it was when I was working at Marvel proper. Um, I was still dealing with Jeff um, by telephone and, and fax at the time. I remember him saying, <laughs> you've got to buy a fax machine. Um, so uh, those were the ways we were communicating. And, and you know, occasionally I'd, I'd pop over to the States to say hello and, and, and you know, see people face to face but majority of the time I was still over here and um, and still communicating the same way I had been at Marvel proper so nothing really changed um, when I started working on the Heroes Reborn stuff okay um, the deadlines were still tight still very tight <laughs> um, but, but but that aside nothing uh, you know really changed that much okay it's interesting to me this um, so this this period I think it might have actually at the time been the first time I actually experienced your work. Um, I was don't want to age you or feel make you feel old at all, but I would have been around thirteen years old or something. And I remember reading Avengers six was I think the first time I ever saw your art, and I was just blown away. I, I still love that issue. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It was a lot of fun to work on that series. You know, I I, I got to draw. They weren't the classic Marvel characters, but. They, with the Marvel characters that I'd grown up with pretty much so you know I, me- I remember I think I drew Loki a lot mm-hmm. um, and there was a particular splash page of him sitting in a chair if, if my memory is yeah working. I remember that yeah I, I still remember enjoying drawing that um, and one of him sitting in a tree I think he was doing something with Agatha the Harkness's cat I can't remember <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but you know some things stick in your mind some things don't and that that does. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you liked it. I am old. <laughs> you know, I'm, not going to dispute that. <laughs> I'm 51 now. I can't believe it, but it's true. <laughs> What's interesting? So I have a question about drawing this specific version of the Avengers. So, like, I always have a very strong affinity for this particular version of Iron Man and Heroes Reborn, even though I know it's kind of ludicrous with the giant kind no, of vents, like it, vents at the back and. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that Will's Portacio um, design was classic. I mean, that was really... I loved the exhaust pipes coming out of his back. That was just brilliant. How, how did you find... Because like, as you said, like there's so much extra line work in doing this version of Iron Man because you have all the kind of the piping and, and all the different kind of metallic, you know, kind of vents and everything. How did you find yeah. that as a, as a challenge? Um, I just took it... Uh, I know it sounds blasé, I'm not saying I took it in my stride, but I just I just did what I thought I was supposed to do. I didn't really give it a lot of thought, really. It's, it's like, Iron Man's shiny, so I'll make him shiny. But one, one thing I really did like about that particular design, like I said, was the exhaust pipes, and there was some sort of fumes that came out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what had been drawn. And I loved the way that that could give you a sense of movement with the character. Um, so I'd, I'd often do little trails of or plumes coming out of the exhaust just so it, you know it would give you a sense of movement without having to do speed lines and things like that you know made it more organic um, 
And I, I, I really did like that design of Iron Man. There's been lots of Iron Man designs I've, I've enjoyed over the years, but that one really does stick in the head. And yeah, it was complicated to draw, um, especially you know over and over again because that's um, <laughs> you know sometimes you get designed into a corner with costumes. You know, it may look great for one drawing, but when you have to draw it over and over again sequentially from lots of different angles. Um, it can not always work, but you know, I always managed to make that one work somehow. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You also got the draw. Got, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and as as I recall, the uh, the Hulk had no clothes, did he, at the time either? Yeah. That was that was that was, that was more of a um, more of a challenge because you had to keep the shadows in all the right places and stuff. <laughs> You uh, you got you got to draw the thing as well in issue six. What was it, like? I always loved your interpretation of the thing. What was your kind of main inspiration when drawing him? I loved drawing the thing, and I think at the time I was probably trying to make him look like Jim's thing to a certain degree, Jim Lee's version, because uh, I think Jim was doing the Fantastic Four, wasn't he? Yes. Um, so I was kind of trying to make him look a bit like Jim's but at the same time I had John Byrne's version in the back of my head um, and I, I, I really enjoyed drawing the thing and I remember at the time I think it was probably in Wizard Magazine or something like that uh, Jim was doing a, some sort of interview and he said very briefly that he liked the way I drew big characters Know, like the, the larger, bulkier characters, and I, I, I thought that was a nice little uh, feather in my cap at the time. <laughs> I, I took that to heart. Woo, Jim likes what I'm doing. <laughs> so, so after, so what, what, what led you to leave Cable though? Let's go back just a half a second. So, like after Cable, you're working with Jeff and you're working on the Avengers, and then you kind yeah. of keep going with him and work at Awesome. But what kind of prompted the yeah. departure from Cable to begin with? Yeah, okay. he, he asked me if I wanted to come and come and work on on the Heroes Reborn stuff. That, okay, that was, and Jeff was leaving. Jeff was leaving Cable, um, um, so I said, "Yeah, um, nothing more than that, really." Um, I'd like to say that I, you know, all my career has been thought through meticulously and planned, but it, <laughs> it hasn't been. It's, it's literally been jumping from one train to another train, and. Uh, and I've enjoyed the ride, you know, it's, it's been great. Um, but there's there's been no calculation to it at all. I think a, a career is what happens when you look back. Mm. At the time, you're just sort of like treading water and swimming as fast as you can. And just hoping you don't sink. Um, it's, it's only 20 years later when you've still been doing that for that amount of time that you look back and think, oh, actually, that wasn't, it's turned into a career. Um, because a lot, a lot of the time, especially back then, I was just looking at, at it as a job and not believing how fortunate I was to be working mm. in comic books, you know, because it's, it doesn't feel like a job. So, you know, I'm, I'm working in comics, drawing, having fun doing it, getting paid for it, um, and just hoping that I get another job around the corner. And uh, like I say, 25 years later, I look back at it and suddenly it's become a career. Um, <laughs> but I certainly wasn't expecting it to do that. Mm-hmm. What what was it like working at Awesome Entertainment and, and working with Jeff on those projects like Coven? Well, that was great. That was that was really good fun. Um, from what I can remember, like I say, my memory's not amazing, but 
Um, the coven was mine. I, I created the coven. I had the original storyline planned out. And Jeff um, was good enough to, to dialogue it and you know fill in some of the gaps and flesh it out a bit for me. Um, and I had a really good time on the coven. And, and Rob was great. Rob, you know, he, he listened and said, "Yeah, that's great. You've got to do that." Because Rob, I don't know if you've ever spoken to Rob. Rob's very excitable and he's, he's very, yeah, 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 it's great, I love it, I love it, you know, and, uh, <laughs> very enthusiastic at the time. Um, so, uh, and, and he was always easy to work with, so um, so I, I don't recall any, any problems with that at all, really. I mean, obviously, Orson didn't end up that well, it, it, it kind of uh, um, had its natural lifespan and, and it didn't end great, but aside from that, I had a great time there, I, I can't think of anything bad about it at all when 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 the awesome kind of experiment kind of ends um what was it like kind of looking around and, and kind of figuring out what the next move was going to be and how quickly did marvel kind of come to you and say like we want to put you on uncanny x-men that was a weird one um yeah uh yeah i, I wasn't expecting that at all uh, like like you say um after awesome had ended um, I was doing a few covers for Marvel, as I recall, and I'd been talking to Mark Powers. Mark Powers was the editor then, um, and from what I can remember, it was New was it New Year's? New, uh, might have been New Year's Eve, or it was certainly a holiday around the Christmas period. Um, and I was away with some friends and there was a, I got a phone call and I couldn't get any reception um, so I had to go to the top of the hill and uh, I got I think I got a call from Mark and he said um, would you like to, to do it um, as like a, an ongoing title and I said yeah that'd be great um, I, I think that if yeah I think that's how it happened um, there was nothing more to it than that and then after that after I'd said yes um, I went over to New York I think Frank Whiteley Grant Morrison and Joe Casey we were all in New York together and we were all up at the Marvel offices um, with Joe Casada, and he was just welcoming us all on board saying it's going to be great and everything um, and I think that's how it came about um I can't remember any any other um, uh, variables that I hadn't just outlined. I think I think that's pretty <laughs> much what happened. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll go back. Um, just I remember I remember being up in the Marvel offices, and it'd been a while. And uh, I think that was the first time I met Joe Casada. Um, and we all went out for lunch, and. Uh, it was great to be back in New York. Um, I just, uh, I just remember having a good time at the time and getting to know Grant and, and Frank and Joe, uh, the two Joes, Joe Casey as well, yeah. Joe Casada. Um, and uh, yeah, it just all worked out. It was, it, again, it was one of those things. I was just very lucky to be in the right place at the right time with the right style, I guess. I, um, Mark seemed to like my stuff. Uh, Mark Powers so I think that's pretty much you know what what swung it for me hmm. 
Now, before I get into talking about Uncanny, I have to mention, so you did do a few covers for X-Men around this period, and one of them has always stuck out for me as one of my favorites of the time, which was X-Men 110, um, which is, um, the interiors obviously weren't by you, with Kitty Pride uh, going back to uh, Colossus's homeland and spreading his ashes, but you do the cover, which is a gorgeous shot of just Kitty standing in the snow, holding an urn with Colossus's kind of image behind her. I'm curious, like, how... You did a lot of covers during this period, so how did you try to, you know, make each cover really kind of sell itself? And because this one always felt like it was very emotional, so how did you really make that work? Um, I think I'd been given the script, so I knew what was happening inside. Okay. Um, and I, I'd always liked those two characters, so um, because of the history of reading the comic books and stuff, I, I knew the right emotional beat to take, I guess, on it. Um, I just went with my instinct. So I, I did uh, one sketch, I suppose, and editorial said yes, and that's how it happened. It was literally that simple and that that straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember drawing that and thinking, I can't believe I'm drawing a cover to the X Men with Kitty and Colossus. It was the same. And there was another one around that period. I think it was um, Cable. It was, a, I think, it was a Cable cover and Nightcrawler. Yes. On, yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, I, the costume for Cable I had to look up because I hadn't been reading it at the time. But uh, um, so it was an unfamiliar costume. But the Nightcrawler costume, if, if I remember right, was was his um, his uh, his traditional costume, wasn't it? It was. I think it was still his classic costume. Yeah, it's that's that's a gorgeous cover too. And you also you have a very nice detail of uh, of Nightcrawler kind of uh, holding the cross right in front of his mouth. Almost like that's right, yeah, yeah, and it's phenomenal. I, I remember that bit, yeah. I remember that bit, yeah, yeah. I had fun drawing that. If I remember that, I think I inked that as well. I think that's uh, right. I think you were doing actually a lot of inking your covers at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, um, uh, I like inking my own stuff. Um, again, I, I've been very fortunate over the years to have nothing but excellent inkers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Scott Hanna on on uh, on cable. Um, he he inked most of my stuff on cable. It used to drive me nuts sometimes because I'd be deliberately getting the anatomy wrong because that seemed popular at the time, and he'd always be fixing it. <laughs> 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 and uh, he was always making me look good, um, you know. But it's it sometimes it drove me nuts. Um, and Norm Ratmond has, has been one of my really long timing because he's he's always made me shine. Um, who else? I think uh, um, oh, it's Butler Rosa. I think it was on uh, yeah on Deadpool, and uh, I think Art T bearing to me on a few pages of Cable. Um, I seem to remember him inking something to do with Apocalypse, so it must have been around that sort of time. And uh, he had a different approach. He had like this really sort of blobby slickness to his to his inking style. It was really nice. I really liked it. Um, it helps that all of them, you know, all of those people are really good artists in their own right. So they know where all the lines should go and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's that's always always you know um, made me shine, which is good. It's, it's it's always good when you've got someone that knows what they're doing over the top of you. Um, sure. but, but I um, but I do prefer doing my own stuff although these days it's all digital um, mm. I, I do a lot, of, a lot of stuff digitally 
So I have to ask about probably like one of the more famous covers covers I would imagine you've done, which is the first issue of your Uncanny X Men with um, Wolverine and Jean Grey making out on the cover. That was Joe Casey's idea. Was it? Yeah, that was Joe Casey's idea. We were like I was saying, we were walking around um, New York, going to a few bars and stuff. It was me, Joe, Frank, and Grant. And as I recall, we were sitting down having a few beers and Joe picked up a napkin and said, I want something like this and drew a couple of stick people on it. <laughs> <laughs> I want something like this. This is going to make the fanboys go nuts. And uh, said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can rustle up. <laughs> so when I got back to the, <laughs> when I got back to the UK, I, I did a few little sketches and sent them off to him. He goes, I like that one. So we, we submitted that to Marvel and they said yes and that's that's what happened, um, and as it turns out, it's been it was one of the best received covers I've ever done, like you say. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've redrawn it a few times with different characters as well. Uh, Richard Starkings does a comic called Elephant Men, as I'm sure you're aware. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did an issue, and I redrew uh, that same cover with his characters um, for for that. And I've done it for another couple of. Um, projects here and there as well so yeah it's it's, it's one of my favourites as well um, some covers I look back on I think how did that get the go ahead but that was one of the ones that I really really think I did a good job on um, <laughs> so um, I, I still look at it and I think that's not bad there's a lot of my stuff you know as, as a lot of artists are prone to do they're quite happy with what they do at the time but they look back on it and think oh my god that's horrible um but uh, some some pieces I look back on and I think, yeah, that's not too bad. So uh, <laughs> that falls into that that falls into that category for me actually. Um, and something I really liked about, especially that first issue you did of Uncanny, was uh, I loved your interpretation of uh, Archangel and how his wings actually looked. Um, it's probably one of my favorite renditions of how the wings actually kind of looked in air. Um, it's just something really like really cool about it. And I don't know how much kind of thought process went into kind of designing how you would do the the uh, the wings, but they just looked. I don't know. Something about your pencils really brought them to life. Thank you. I I like wings funnily enough that does sound strange <laughs> saying it out loud um, but I, I yeah I'd always he still had his real wings at that time didn't he it wasn't the metal ones it that's was right the, the feathered ones and uh, Angel was one of my favourite characters when I was a kid um, and I always thought if I ever got to draw him I'd draw him as, as accurately as I think he should look uh, in my head and I you know I, I wasn't like a bird watcher when I was a kid but I you know I, I like to study the anatomy of birds and, and and I knew that they had hollow bones and all that sort of thing and um, I, I kind of just extrapolated in my head how wings should look on a person if a, if a bird was that size and it just seemed to work for Angel or Archangel as he was being called then um, and uh, I think I inked a few of those pages as well. There was the, the one, I think the first issue um, that I did with Joe, the one with the, uh, the, the mutant bad guy that could um, reshape reality, couldn't he? He could do something yes. like that. There, there was one with um, Archangel appears and he's holding some sort of device in his arm, in his hands rather, um, and, and his wings are spread. I think I inked that page. Oh, wow. Um, which always makes it easier because I know exactly where I'm 
I put my lights on the little wings and things. Of course. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty tight penciler. Um, I think Norm was inking me on that. Um, and, and Norm knows what to do. He knows where I like things and, and what have you. And, and, and he puts his own flavor and his own line weights over the top to, to enhance things. Um, but, uh, but when I was doing that particular entrance of Archangel, um, I think I into that one myself, and uh, I, I just I've just got a different way of rendering when I'm inking than when I'm penciling, um, and I think it gave it a really a, a more organic sort of feel to it. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. Uh, yeah, it's always something I enjoyed. Now I have a question about like how did it feel? You finally get to you know you're really doing like the main X Men book. You're doing Uncanny X Men. But they're not wearing any of their original yeah. costumes. You're wearing, you know, kind of more movie-inspired kind of leather. How does that? How does yeah. that feel as an artist to finally kind of get to kind of do the X Men that you know that you grew up reading with by John Byrne, but you're not able to use the John Byrne designs or any of those looks? Uh, that was frustrating a bit. I'm not going to lie, because <laughs> I, you know, I really wanted to do those classic characters. Um, it was a weird one because, uh, like I say, I went over to New York and. I think, oh yeah, prior to going over to New York, Joe Casada said um, t- to do some designs for the characters, you know, some redesigns. Um, and I, I was under the impression um, that the redesigns that, you know, that I was doing had were, were, were to be in line with kind of your, your traditional superhero costume. Um, but as it turned out, when, we, when I got over to New York up in the, the offices, um, Frank got out his portfolio, and there's all this leather and day glow, yellow and stuff. And I was thinking, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> you know, I didn't know I was allowed to do that sort of stuff. And he had all this weird and wacky stuff, and I thought, that's pretty cool. So um, so obviously that was the... Uh, the the direction that they decided to go in and um, so when it came to the book that I was doing which was Uncanny wasn't it um, I had to kind of um, adapt the leather look to those characters because as if I, um, I, I don't think Frank did designs for all the characters he just did the ones for the ones that were being used in his book so I, um, once I knew that the direction was going to be the leather and Dayglow then I could extrapolate and do like Nightcrawler's costume and Archangel's costume and stuff like mm. that. Um, so it uh, it was it, it was a double-edged sword in a lot of ways, but um, I enjoyed it as it turned out. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, like like you say, I, in, in my head, I was expecting the uh, the spandex and uh, and I got I got the leather costumes, but you know it is what it is and it was work and I enjoyed it, so I've got no uh, um, no bad memories from that time at all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump ahead a few years. You're working. Uh, you do a I think a two issue um, storyline with Judd Winnick uh, with uh, Captain Marvel or Shazam as he's now known mostly, and uh, Superman uh, called Lightning Strikes Twice. Can you describe working on that project with Judd? Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, that was, yeah, that was fun. Um, Ian Churchill, this is your life. <laughs> yeah, this is what it feels like, yeah, it certainly does. Um, I wish I had a better memory. Um, I wish I had more to tell you, but it, 
again it was a case of do you want to do this and it was like yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) Um, nothing more to it than that I didn't even talk to Judd I don't think on that I just had the the plot given to me which I think was a fully outlined plot it wasn't Marvel style Mm. Um, and uh, just just got on with it really I, I know Norm loved doing that because Shazam is one of Norm's favourite characters oh really um, okay yeah Norm, Norm really likes Shazam and the Flash um, and so uh, whenever um, I've drawn DC characters or if it had been the Flash Flash or uh, Shazam Norm's you know grinning like the Cheshire cat because he, <laughs> he loves those characters um <laughs> So uh, yeah, and, and I had fun doing that. Actually, that was that was, that was a um, that was a cool story, and uh, I'd never drawn Shazam before, um, and I, I quite like the character, um, not as much as Norm, but I did quite like the character. Um, it's it's funny, really, because you know, seeing as we're on DC at the moment. Um, same with Supergirl. I never, never really knew much about Supergirl before I started drawing her. Oh, really? Um, and I really, yeah, and I really grew to like drawing Supergirl. I mean, I thought she was painfully thin. The way I mean, and I, I was taken over from Mike, so I had to make it look more like Mike was drawing her um, to begin with. And as my run went on, I, I fleshed her out more and gave her a bit more meat on her bones. Um, but uh, I could only do that gradually over a period of time. Um, but yeah, when I when I first started drawing Supergirl, I didn't really know much of the back history of Supergirl, um, and I, I really did actually uh, do some digging around reference wise and, and history wise to uh, prepare for that, and um, had a really nice time on that. And again, that was with Jeff, wasn't it? So. I mean, but by, by then, I would imagine that you guys are kind of old hat at working together because, I mean, I would imagine you guys get a lot of shorthand because he knows exactly what you can deliver. Well, quite. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he always comes up with a good concept and uh, he, he's always seemed um, happy with, with what I've produced, you know, and given him. So uh, we had a, had a good old time on Supergirl um, and, uh, you know, took a different avenue different directions than, uh, than people expected I think and the same was true when Joe Kelly took over as well um, and uh, and had a good time on that um, I was actually I was offered uh, you know that Joe Kelly story um, that he did was it the elite yes yeah I got I was offered that and I turned that down <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I regret I regret that to this day, and I can't remember why I turned it down. Um, but that was one one thing I actually did turn down, and uh, I've always regretted it. Maybe that's why you especially uh, say I yes now. Regret, I don't regret much. I don't regret much, but that's one 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 thing that does stick in my head. You know, if anyone, I've always had it in my head. If anyone asks me if I regret anything, that's the one thing that I do regret. Um, mostly because I love working with Joe but as it turned out that turned into a seminal story and uh, that would have been fun to do I'm curious about like again knowing that you you like working with Jeff and you guys kind of do a lot of projects together was like I'm just curious like was that a tough sell because you hadn't really had an affinity or really known much about Supergirl to kind of get you to do that book or was it kind of well Jeff's asking so I'll do it yeah that was it it was um, Jeff 
I've just done the um, the mini series with Mike Turner, um, mm-hmm. the Supergirl thing, Dark Side, and DC wanted to launch Supergirl as a comic book ongoing. Um, and for one reason or another, Mike couldn't do it, and Jeff asked me if I'd do it because at the time he said I could do a pretty good um, Mike Turner esque version of Supergirl. Um, so I said, "Yeah, sure, of course I will. Um, if you want to do it, I'll do it." So, uh, so we, we both jumped in feet first, and uh, way of time doing it. It was good. So I'm curious so about. That's for that. Yeah, so in and around, it's like I, I know we're kind of running short on our time together, so I, I apologize for giving short thrift to some stuff, but uh, in the late 2000s, you uh, you go back to Marvel, you're working with Jeff again on Hulk, and you get to actually portray Daredevil, uh, Deadpool again. What was yeah. that like to kind of come back to a character that you did so long ago, but now has a much more defined kind of style? Well, that was a weird one, uh, because <laughs> as you recall, that, I think that was Code Red, wasn't it? That yes. storyline. Um, that was that. I was far more comfortable drawing like that because that's that's more my natural sort of style, more cartoony. Mm. And um, prior to that story, I'd had um, some shoulder surgery, um, and I, I hadn't drawn anything for over a year. Oh, wow! Because um, I was on my on my drawing, and uh, I was I was actually very hesitant about accepting that and I, I remember Jeff came over he was up in London and I went up to see him and uh, he was showing me all these gorgeous Arthur Adams pages of Red Hulk and saying look you could come and be part of this come on you can do it <laughs> and, I, and I was like Jeff I'm not sure you know because my arm hurts when I'm drawing and stuff and he's like God, you can do it and uh, he, he cajoled me and convinced me to, to coming on so Initially, I was drawing in the detailed sort of um, uh, more Jim Lee-esque, you know, traditional sort of mainstream style that I've become um, known for. Um, and it was really hurting my arm. And uh, I had a conversation with Jeff and um, Mark Panicci, I think it was, who was the editor. And uh, I said, and it came down, I think it was the opening splash page of Domino with the rifle and I'd drawn that um, in my regular mainstream style and uh, like I say that hurt my shoulder so we had this conversation I said look if I can redraw it the way I'm more comfortable it means that I, I'd use a different set of muscles in my arm and it won't hurt as much and they said well as long as you hit deadline that's fine so I, I drew uh, the more cartoony um version of the same page and they said yeah that's great go ahead and do that so that whole storyline was much more comfortable for me because um, I could draw it twice as fast because I didn't have to put all the noodly doodly stuff in um, and, uh, and and it just felt more me um, and uh, I had a really really fun time doing that and like you say you know having Deadpool again I was far more familiar with the character and and in the time that passed since I'd last drawn him, got to know the character better because I've read other versions and what have you. Um, and it was it was it was a nice little conceit that Jeff had to have all the characters being read. I just thought that was great. <laughs> you know? 
was really neat. Um, and a Thundra, I got to draw Thundra. I never thought in a million years I'd get to draw Thundra. <laughs> and she was great fun to draw. Um, you know, Domino, I've, I've, uh, I've enjoyed drawing her over the years, but I never thought I'd ever get to draw Thundra. Thundra was great. <laughs> Yeah, and Electra as well. Yes, Electra. that's right. I wasn't expecting her to show up. Um, no, it was, it was great. It was quite a, an unusual um, selection of characters that he chose on that. And of course, I, I ended up being um, one of the co-creators of Red She-Hulk as well. And that was pure, like, pure chance because I came and worked on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, Jeff and had obviously um, uh, conceived of the character, um, and Ed McGuinness had done a couple of rough designs at the time and Jeff had shown me those and said extrapolate on that so I did a few more and you know took a bit of Ed put a bit of my stuff in and then the three of us you know crystallised on what Red Sheehold would look like so um, again that was just happenstance I happened to be in the right place at the right time <laughs> so after so you work on that project again you're still kind of recovering from the surgery what led into the circumstances that brought about Marine Man then because that's not that long after. Um, no, no, precisely. Um, so I'd been working on the Red Hulk with Jeff. That had been well received. Um, so that boosted my confidence um, as far as Marine Man goes, to draw Marine Man in that style. Um, and I put aside um, some money that I'd made from doing the Red Hulk to finance um, Marine Man because obviously if you're doing your own create your own project no one pays you to do it so you have to take the time to and this is back in the days before Kickstarter and all that stuff um, so uh, I kind of you know screwed away some, some cash to, to sort me out or to live on frugally while I worked on that and um, and it all worked out as it turned out it was a case of because um, I wrote that as well mm-hmm. and I thought, every, I, thought I, I thought I thought everyone would have the knives out you know I really thought I was going to get crucified for thinking that I could write you know um, and I got nothing but positive reactions from all the, all the reviewers so I was you know I was blown away by that um, and it was, it was it was critically well received so I you know and I, I loved working on and I'm still working on it ad hoc as I go along now you know it's, it's a case of when I've got time to work on it mm-hmm. um, I do a bit here and there um, I've got a few issues drawn of volume 2 but it's a case of because it does cost um, money to produce these things um, and I don't get paid to do it um, I've got to do it all myself so it, it just takes a long time but it definitely felt like something like you've been building towards, and like it was more gratifying because again, it was a kind of whole cloth yours. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, Marine Man was a character I created when I was eight years old, so it's one of the earliest characters I created that before the Coven or any of those ones. Um, so you know, I think I was seventeen when I created the Coven. I was eight when I created Marine Man. Um, and originally, Marine Man was very much a mishmash of the Submariner and Aquaman. Um, but over the years, I'd kind of refined it down a bit to try and make him as unlike those two characters as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and he became 
really his own character um and I, I did I had a lot of you know I, I created freedom obviously I could do what I wanted with the character and I knew what was right for it, for the character and what have you Richard Starkings agreed to letter it all for me um so I, I was very fortunate and um uh and it all worked out and uh I've got no regrets I'm glad I took the the uh the ball by the horns and actually bit the bullet and gave it a go um cause you only regret what you don't do, don't you? For sure. <laughs> yeah, generally speaking. Now, when you let's let's kind of jump back up to the present a little bit. So, in 2012, you work on Ravagers with uh, Howard Mackey. What was it like working with Howard? He's you know kind of uh, at that point he'd been out of the comics game for a while and kind of brought back in. Yeah, so so I, so I've been made aware. Um, I wasn't aware of that at the time. Um, and it was great, actually. I, I did have a phone conversation with Howard um, around that time, and uh, we got on well. He <laughs> he reminded me that we'd actually worked together before, but I'd forgotten because um, I, I think it was <laughs> an X Men Unlimited um, issue. I think it was during the Age of Apocalypse. I think Howard wrote that. Okay. That's funny. I think it was, and and he said, you know, we've worked together before. I said, oh, really? <laughs> Sorry, because <laughs> I'd never met him before. I'd never spoken to him before. I just had the the script given to me, and I drew the script, and uh, and the deadline was probably so tight that I never even looked at who I was working with, <laughs> uh, which which <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, it turned out I'd worked with him before, and he he's a lovely, lovely guy, and um, we got on really well actually. I did um, did a show over in America. Um, and got to meet him for the first time, face to face, and uh, and really really nice guy. Uh, oh, and, and at that same show um, was with Chris Sprouse, and uh, I didn't catch his surname when he was introduced to me, and I said hi, you know, we were getting on fine, and then about ten minutes later during a conversation, someone said Sprouse, and I said, well, that's Chris Sprouse, and I was just like, ah, that's Chris Sprouse. You know? <laughs> because <laughs> I'm a big fan you know, um, you know it's just uh, one of those things that's like blimey I didn't realise who he was but that's Chris Sprouse yeah that's funny uh, actually one last question to, to jump back to Marine Man for a second so I mean the book is <laughs> full of life it's got you know you write colors it's as you said kind of more cartoony and your more natural style did it did it did it surprise people at the time to see you in a way that was very different from what they they had been used to because again this isn't maybe the the in churchill that we were, were taught to know growing up in the you know in the 90s and 2000s yeah um and, and i mean it in a positive way because it's got gorgeous work Thank you. I, I think it's some of my best work. Um, I, I think it did catch a lot of people by surprise. I think uh, that's probably reflected in the sales as well. Um, you know, it's, it's a case of people like what they know and they know what they like, you know. Um, and they've not seen that from me before, really. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I wish that... Yeah, Anything that I wish had been different was that the sales of Marine Man were the sort of sales I get when I draw in the other way. Mm. Um, uh, that that would have been nice. I, I, I seem to recall Robert Kirkman saying something along the lines of, "If I'd drawn it the way I would normally draw, or how people want to see me draw, then it would have done a lot better um, financially." I mean, um, 
but uh, but I'm you know it's one of those things. Marine Man, yes, could have been drawn in that more sort of hard-edged style, but I don't think it would have had the charm if it had been drawn like that. You know? Oh, for sure. Um, I, I think you're right. There is such a a charm and it's interesting again as we were talking about some of your early art and especially in the 90s craze when there were so many extra lines right and there's such a judicious yeah. use of line work in marine man because it's kind of like you draw back and you only use the most important lines and it's there's just so, so much more elegance there and it, it does have a, a nice kind of quality to it precisely and, and and one of the things was i wanted it to be an all ages book because there wasn't a lot of all ages stuff back then. I mean, this is like 2010, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I was, I was, you know, thumping my hand on the, my, my fist on the table a lot at the time about the fact that there should be um, more um, all ages books. Um, not necessarily aimed at all ages, but in the style, in the same sort of way that Stanley and Jack Kirby's stuff was all ages, even though it wasn't aimed at all ages anyone from 6 to 60 could pick it up and enjoy it mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to do, do a book kind of like that rather than all the gritty blood and guts and stuff that was so prevalent at the time you know that's just the way I was feeling um, and I'm, I'm glad I did it the way I did it I wouldn't change a thing um, like I say the sales it would have been nice to have got a, a, a better financial reaction to it but because then I could probably have afforded to carry on doing it ad infinitum but um, mm-hmm. it didn't work out that way but I, I wouldn't change it any way the way I approached it I don't think um, uh, it's something I'm still very proud of um, and, I, and I'd be quite happy giving it to anyone of any age and saying I think you'll enjoy this mm-hmm. well again uh, it's, 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 you know, I was going to say you're 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 right that it really taps into like the visual styles is very approachable and it doesn't feel like it's any particular age group or like man or woman who could read it because again there's just a, it's a nice open style and the acting that you are able to portray on the you know the facial expressions of the characters is is still quite strong and, and in fact almost stronger because you're only using the you know the lines that you need there's no extra line work here there's never like a, a wasted line like it's all judicious it's used to you know further a specific need for the character absolutely I completely agree with you and um, you know I was, I was assisted coloring that or the, the, the lion's share of the coloring was done by a guy called Alex Salazzo uh, um, who's an amazing colorist uh, I've seen some of his stuff online uh, I just contacted him and I said look can you color it and he said yeah I'd be more than happy to I mean I did some polishing here and there on it but the majority of it is him um, and he did a, did a great great job I think um, you know everything came together on that book and I couldn't be happier with it and then uh, then when I got it all collected into the uh, the trade, I managed to get Dave Gibbons to do a, an introduction. <laughs> you know, that was just icing on the cake. You know, I'd, I'd done a show with Dave, I'd never met him before, and uh, we got on really well. And I said, look, you know, would you would you mind doing an introduction? He said, sure, I'd be happy to. Um, which uh, which which I was I was grinning like an idiot. A legend. He's a comic book legend, and he was quite happy to to, to do my introduction. And then uh, then I did another show in London. And I bumped into him. I think Brian Bollum was there, 
and he went over to, to Brian and said, look, Ian, Ian's been nominated for an Eisenman, and I did the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> He's a funny guy, though. Uh, well, before, before I let you go, so again, we, we touched briefly on Ravagers. You also did a, a, a run on Teen, oh, Ravages, yeah. on Teen Titans. What was it like working on a version of the Teen Titans, which is very different than, you know, kind of classic Teen Titans? Yeah, I've, I've worked on Teen Titans a fair bit over the years. Some of it's been the classic, more classic team. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was just Titans, wasn't it, I think? It yeah, I think you're right. Um, oh, I'll tell you what, I did think it was nice, nice little touch. Um, I watched the TV show recently, um, you know, the one on, on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, they kept the, uh, the ball print. Because one of the things I did do on Titans when I was joining it, I put that little ball print on um, Beast Boy's shoulder because I felt like he should have an insignia mm. of some sort. And they they've kept that on the uh, the jacket that he wears in the TV show. I thought that was a neat little touch. That's cool. Um, yeah, I thought so. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've had fun joining the Titans over the years. I, I did a actually yeah, I, I did a show a few years back with Marv Wolfman and Mark Buckingham, and we were on a panel and we were talking about the Titans and stuff. And I was saying I've. Uh, I found it difficult to get a grip on Raven Raven was a real tricky one for me um, mostly because there's nothing to um, grip onto as far as relatability because mm. um, I've never met a demon you know or a, <laughs> a half demon or, a, or what have you and it, I, I was really finally I was really struggling and then I, I I, I turned a corner and suddenly it all clicked and I ended up being you know really invested in Joy Raven because I really quite liked Raven and once, once I got a handle on her I, I thought you know that, she's a fun character um, and it's turned out that she's the linchpin in, in the TV show so you know it's, it's funny how things go um, but uh, no, as, as far as all the Titans that I I Bunker was quite fun actually during Bunker mm-hmm. um, you know because he he was um, always happy-go-lucky type character um, and uh, and some of the stuff that was being written for him and, and uh, Robin was quite fun to draw some of the, the character into, into play and what have you um, but I think that was one of the more recent um, interpretations of the, of the characters because, uh, like I say, I, 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 I've drawn Titans in various um, uh, various times of my career. Yeah. Um, Being Teen Titans or just Titans or whatever. So, and and they, they've always been very different each time I've approached. Um, but I've always enjoyed it. Uh, I can't I'm trying to remember what the last one was. I did. The last one was with. I think the team was. Raven. Oh, that was it. It was New 52. New 52 was the last version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I did enjoy that. I drew most of that on my iPad, um, which was um, a new way to, a new way of working. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I think it was inked on blue line from the files that I sent. I think that's how it was done. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoy working. Uh, digitally, uh, I I, um, I kicked and screamed for years, 
that I wasn't going to do it. And uh, but then everyone around me was saying, you know, oh, you should do it. It saves so much time. What have you? This, that, and the other. And uh, eventually, I I just started chatting to people that had worked digitally uh, to get their thoughts on it. Old Dave Gibbons has got a brilliant story. First time he started working digitally, um, he said he was going great guns, and then had uh, um, accidentally moved his hand across the page or something, and he thought he'd ruined his artwork because he was still thinking thinking traditionally, and there's this big ink smear right across the <laughs> artwork. <laughs> and then suddenly you realise he could just do, you know, uh, the two fingers or whatever it is and make it disappear. And breathe a sigh of relief. I don't know. Oh, I'd love to make a video. I thought really funny. But he, he, he's, he's a big advocate of digitally, of working digitally. And um, I was chatting to Charlie Adlard as well. And, and he was straddling the, the fence, but he, re- <coughs> excuse me, he really liked working digitally, though he, he's mostly towards traditionally still. Um, and so eventually, when the iPad came out, the iPad Pro, I, I figured I'd give it a go, and I've, I've, you know, pretty much been working on that um, since it came out, which is what three years now, I suppose, three years, mm. something like that, three or four years. And I still work traditionally as well, and do commissions and what have you. But generally speaking, what I've done, I think my last proper comic work was for DC, and that's probably about two and a half years ago. Um, and uh, and I did some of that on, on the iPad um, hmm. and I really like the iPad I like working on the iPad and everyone seems to think um, that you have to have a Cintiq or what have you and you don't you procreate on the iPad is perfectly uh, acceptable as a, as a professional tool to, to get the job done mm-hmm. in my opinion hmm. So last question I'll ask is kind of comes back to a question that we talked about earlier. Um, when you do do the 10, uh, what, 12, 10 page story, sorry, maybe it was eight pages uh, with Blue Devil uh, with uh, Dan DiDio, what was it like to work within a very confined space in terms of how many pages you're able to tell the story and, and how detailed the script did Dan give you? Um, again, it was, it was one of those ones where it was very detailed and he'd broken it down pretty much. Um, obviously, um, the, the angles and stuff were left to me and the storytelling because storytelling is the most important part and you know if, if you get the chance to draw comics that is the one requisite that is more important than anything else I think um, you know it helps if you can draw well um, but that aside the storytelling is the most important part um, and I had complete freedom as far as that went um, and but I, I, I don't find it confines me having a short amount of pages. Um, you just work a different set, set of muscles, I suppose. Um, I, uh, a while back, I've, I've never worked on Batman Black and White. And I've always worked, wanted to do a Batman Black and White story. Um, and so uh, a few years ago, I, I wrote a story and thumbnailed it out. And, and that was, I think, the Batman black and white stories are only eight pages, six to eight pages, mm. um, and uh, creatively, it kind of it kind of forces you to um, streamline everything, I guess, to cut away all the extraneous panels that you would normally use, and just condense everything into um, bullet points. But you know, 
to the point that you can still tell the story and that nothing's missing. You just pick the salient points that are crucial to the, the story rather than uh, fleshing it out to, to a degree. Mm. You know, you can tell a 22-page story in 10 pages. You just have to do it differently. Um, it's, it's nice to have those extra pages to, to give breathing space and, and what have you, but um, it's, yeah, you can tell a story and not have to sacrifice anything as long as you can be creative about it in whatever amount of page count you've, you've been given or, or have available to you, I think. Okay. And uh, so that, that, that I can't remember what the question was. No, no, that, that it, it did answer the question because yeah, the question was basically like, how do you adapt for you know shorter pages, shorter page count? And I think, yeah. I mean, part of the, I think it's probably harder on the writer because at least you have a script. You have, uh, you know, you have to figure out how to lay yeah, it out and no, tell I, the story. I, I, but yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, I'd, I'd worked with Dan before actually. We did an Aquaman holiday special as well. Oh, okay. Um, in in the classic costume as well. Um, again, I think that was about six to eight pages. Um, that was good fun. I, I, I seem to remember I drew that um, on paper, um, but at half size. Because I've always been more comfortable drawing on sort of British version A, A4 size paper, which um, I guess is like letter size, mm. um, than, than, than 11 by 17. And, I, and because these days because technology is what it is I could draw at the size I was more comfortable drawing and then scan it at twice the resolution which brought it up to the size it needed to be um, so and then uh, I think uh, that was that was printed off of my pencil so um, I could, you know adjust it on Photoshop or what have you and, and get it to look like it had been inked um, so yeah no, what can you? What can you that's okay. Uh, what what can you tell us about what you're working on now, or what you're spending your time kind of developing? Well, the last thing I did at DC, I think, was about ooh, about two years ago, I suppose. I think it was a Justice League issue mm-hmm. um, with Christopher Priest. I think it was. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, Justice League thirty nine from April two thousand eighteen. Yeah. That's the last thing I did at DC, and since then I've um, I did have some time when I couldn't draw again, not with my shoulder, but I had a uh, a prolapsed disc in my neck, and it was Ooh. causing ner- nerve pain all the way down my drawing arm, and that was nasty. That was really, really nasty. So I couldn't couldn't do a lot for a while, and then um, I've been doing the covers for a set of history graphic novel. Um, called Show Me History hmm. and it's by Portable Press um, and that's being designed and produced uh, by JG Rochelle from Comic Um and I've been doing all the, the covers on those and that's that's been really good fun um, that's in a more cartoony style but I've been uh uh, drawing them, inking them, colouring them, uh, having a good time doing that. 